This episode of Motherhood in Hollywood is sponsored by Kinsa, the world's smartest thermometer. When my daughter Channing isn't feeling well, Kinsa is the only thermometer I trust. It remembers temperature, symptoms, and medications, so I don't miss a beat. Find it at KinsaHealth.com, the world's smartest thermometer. Hello, Mama. Grab your popcorn and goobers. It's time for Motherhood in Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prude's perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts. Here's Heather. Hey, everybody. Welcome. It's episode 38 of Motherhood in Hollywood. What an exciting week it's been around here. I'm actually... I'm so tired. (laughs) I'm like tired in my bones uh, for a couple of reasons. One, um, I did this thing called Beer Fit yesterday. I don't know if you guys saw me posting about this, but I did this thing called Beer Fit and we drove all the way out to this town outside of LA called Pomona. And um, it, it was advertised as this sort of fun run where you like drink beer and run or whatever. And I thought, oh, that could be a fun, different, you know, challenge for my MIH 15 by 15 weight loss challenge. And it was not. Um, I'm going to write a little something about it, I think, for my blog, because ju- it was just such a bummer. My great friends, um, really cool friends went with me, and it was a little disappointing. It was like unorganized, and I don't know. Don't you hate it when you are so looking forward to something, and then you kind of get your hopes up, and you're like, yeah, that's going to be awesome. I mean, we got a babysitter. We were going to go spend an afternoon, like, you know, just drinking beer and like running. And also, to be fair, that is not as um also not as fun as it sounds <laughs> it's really I don't know why in my mind I thought that would be a fun thing to do but it really isn't when your belly's sloshing around full of beer so there was that um that we did yesterday and then also early 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 in the morning I had to get up and go and be um a guest on the CBS2 KCAL 9 morning show here in Los Angeles. And that was so much fun. I had a blast going to talk about some spring break ideas I thought would be fun to share. I got to make this really cool craft TV, which um, I say craft TV. It's not like it was like a macaroni and cheese craft box, but it, um, it was like a craft idea that I saw online. And I was like, oh, I wonder if I can do that. And I made this TV. Channing helped me. I'm so bad at crafts, but this actually turned out pretty well. I was like, hey, maybe I'm not as bad as I think I am. And um, we also put together this cool thing from Goldie Blocks, which if you don't know about Goldie Blocks, you should Google that company. They're pretty great. They do toys that are engineering based toys, but they're targeted at young girls. So they have like a young girl as the heroine of all of their stories and their crafts that they can put together. And, um, the goal is to get kids, young girls in particular, excited about engineering and science and technology and that sort of thing at a young age. So that in the hopes that when they grow up, there'll be more women engineers. So that's pretty cool, right? Because apparently there's like a major lack of engineers. There's like a huge discrepancy between the number of men engineers there are versus the number of women engineers there are. So Goldie Blocks is hoping to kind of play some part in changing that a little bit by getting girls excited. So I used one of their toys. I also had all these other other suggestions for like camps and stuff here in LA that parents could do last minute for their kids. And then we just ran out of time in the segment. So I didn't get to mention half of those, but anyway, it's really fun. I always love going over um, on CBS, you know, because that's my, 
for those of you who don't know, like I used to be on the news all the time, like every day, because uh, I was a reporter and anchor. And there are times when I miss it. It's like whenever there's a big story to cover, like I love all the election stuff. I don't love all the bullshit that I'm seeing on my Facebook feed, which if you're anything like me, it's like, come on already. Not everybody is right. Like, sorry, whether you support Hillary or Bernie or Trump or Cruz or whoever you're behind, you're not hundred percent right. I hate to break that to you. But everybody, it's the arrogance, I think, that bugs me of everybody on my Facebook feed being like, this is the only way and this person is the, this candidate is the only candidate we should be voting for and everyone else is terrible. And uh, sometimes we forget that there's, you know, possibly your candidate may not be the best candidate. I hate to break that to you. But anyway, what the hell is I talking about? Oh, news. So whenever there's a big story you, to cover, like a political election year or some kind of big event, um, that's when I find that I miss reporting and I miss being an anchor and I sort of miss being in the news fray a little bit. So yeah, it was nice being back in a newsroom for a little bit, being back um, on the TV in news. So oh, if you want to see that clip or if you missed it at all, go take a look at it. Um, I'm doing a quick giveaway. So if you guys are hearing this episode uh, this week, by the 23rd, on Wednesday the 23rd, I'm going to be giving away a Goldie Block set. If you want to go and um, enter that on my website, motherhoodinhollywood.com. Also, while you're there visiting, make sure that you subscribe to Motherhood in Hollywood on iTunes. And if you want to, please follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I do see you guys when you follow me and I do hear your comments and get your emails. So I appreciate it very much. I, I hope you guys know that this is um, me working my tail off, trying to do something different, try to, you know, make something of myself, <laughs> make something of my life. Um, so any support, uh, I really appreciate anything you guys can throw my way. So thank you. All right. So I think that's all the updates I have. It should be. All right. Let's get right into my interview with my guest today. My guest is Chris Kate. He is the host of the Parent Normal podcast, hugely successful podcast. He produces it very well. And he's got a really interesting background and a great story about why he's actually doing a podcast now. Pretty cool stuff. So here you go, guys. This is my interview with Chris Kate, the host of the Parent Normal Comedy podcast. Okay, so I'm just going to jump right into it because I know you're busy and this is like your day off. And so um, I don't want to take up too much of your time. So no, you're fine. Yeah, the kids are outside playing. So hopefully they'll stay outside and won't come crashing in the room. Yeah, <laughs> in the middle. mine is inside and she has been crashing in the room all morning. <laughs> like I've been trying to get stuff done and all morning and my husband's trying to to help, but she keeps like just busting in the room. So she probably will come <laughs> At some point. Um, okay, here we go. So I'm really excited today to have a fellow podcaster and parent on the show. This is Chris Kate. Hi, Chris. Welcome to Motherhood in Hollywood. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, um, I was on your show a few, I think it was a couple months ago, back in January or early February. Mm -hmm. I've slept since then, so I have no idea what day it is or what time uh, it is. Um, but I love that. I had so much fun being on your show, and I have been really looking forward to having you on my show as well. 
tell me a little bit about, um, first of all, tell me about your podcast. Tell me about the Parent Normal Comedy Podcast. Yeah, so um, my podcast, the Parent Normal Comedy Podcast, really kind of grew out of, first, I guess, my love of podcasting. I just became a podcasting junkie, listened to all sorts of different shows, and I was already blogging and on social media like Facebook and Twitter where I had some fans, and it just seemed like a cool new way for me to kind of talk to them because they can't really hear my voice you mm-hmm. know, it's just writing and online so I thought I would try that out just because I you know I love the medium and I thought it would be fun and you know most of the blogging and stuff I do on Twitter and Facebook is really humor driven so I decided to make that kind of the the core part of the show where I'm trying to show the lighter heart lighter side of parenting where it's not super serious it's more what I call uh, just trying to make parents laugh when they want to cry. So it's talking about the stressful times, but in a way where, you know, we all go through the same issues. So, you know, it's okay to laugh because, you know, you're not alone if you're if you're going through those stresses. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes it can feel very isolating because you're, I'm a stay-at-home mom too, in addition to doing an actor, uh, being an actor or doing motherhood in Hollywood. And there are some days where I feel like, is anybody else's kid doing this? Is, do I have the only child that is having this meltdown right now in the middle of the grocery store? (laughs) And I know ultimately I'm not, but it does certainly help to know that there's um, other parents out there going through the same thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and and I hear that over and over again, especially, I guess I've been on Twitter a little bit longer, but so many of the things that I write where you just hear so many people responding saying, yeah, that just happened to me. That just, you know, because I try to write um, a little bit more open. I don't always try to make it as personal. I don't, I'm not as memoirish as some other writers where, hey, yeah. I went to the grocery store and there's the exact same, there's the exact thing that happened to me. I'm more trying to talk about in the generalities of distressful situations, which I think even more people can relate to of instead of, you know, exactly what happened, you know, in aisle six in the grocery store, just <laughs> the fact that, you know, a kid, you know, grabbed a, you know, you know, a box off the shelf and, you know, 30 boxes <laughs> fell down when it happened. Right. I mean, I think everybody can relate to just the different situations we go through. Um, what, what does your background, do you have a background in comedy? Was that something you were growing up in, uh, growing up in? Is that something you did when you were growing up or is this something you, are you the guy that kind of makes everybody laugh and, and, uh, win your social circle? I like to think so, but I don't know that that's <laughs> always true. I know sometimes my jokes may be over somebody's head. At least that's what I tell myself. Right, yeah. right. It, when funny. When they don't laugh. it was too smart, too smart. It wasn't yeah. that it was unfunny. It was too smart. Exactly. Um, but I did, um, out of college, I actually did stand-up comedy for a while. Um, I, after I graduated from college, I went and I was actually taught high school for a couple years in Tampa. And I hit the improv and a couple of uh, the comedy clubs down there. And then I spent a few months in New York doing it and uh, took a little bit of a break. I mean, it was never a full-time job. It was always more of a hobby and... Um, actually, I live in, in Florida again, in Tallahassee, and I did. I was an MC for a while at a comedy club here, but That's once fun. I had once I had kids, it just became. Uh, it wasn't. It didn't make a lot of sense for me to be out at night, you know, all the time, and trying to pursue that as like a real career. So I really went to the writing um, and turning a lot of my jokes. I was very one linerish already. A lot of the humor that I did, so it just seemed perfect to work into Twitter and Facebook, and that's or how that kind of really evolved. Oh, I see. Okay. So you, you really do have like a, a background in comedy and, and, uh, 
but so then that kind of is interesting to me than what you did next. Like you, did you do sports? Did I read that you were into like a sports anchor or? I did. Yeah. And I know that you've got a TV background too. Mm-hmm. I, I grew up in a TV household. My dad's actually the main anchor at the uh, NBC affiliate in Tampa. So oh, I kind of, nice. I kind of grew up in that, in that world. And so um, even though I taught high school right out of college, I actually studied TV and film, and for a couple of years, I worked in Birmingham, Alabama, where I was a producer, and by the time I left TV, I was a sports reporter, so it was it was a lot of fun, but that TV lifestyle, it wasn't, it wasn't you know perfect for the family. I'd moved around a lot as a kid, and I knew kind of what I was getting myself into, so now I'm on the PR side of things, where I'm pitching stories instead of telling stories. And do you like that better? I do. I mean, it makes a lot more family sense. I, I definitely miss, you know, the TV world and, and telling stories from that perspective. And I, you know, I still, you know, I'm a news junkie. I, I watch it all the time. But mm-hmm. uh, um, it's still fun to be in that news world where I'm pitching stories. But you know, now it's 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 definitely a lot different trying to convince a reporter to do story as opposed to hearing a bunch of ideas and picking one and then right. going with that. Yeah, the reporter, the media people definitely have the power for sure. And they decide what they want to cover, how much time they want to give it. And that uh, that's definitely a good position to be in. I see I, I see now why a lot more people want to do. It. I mean, I still do. I'm still involved in news here locally. I produce and write um, for a local news station. So I, I get to see that every time I go into work, but um, I certainly do enjoy having fun, the fun side of podcasting and acting for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, now tell me then how you got into uh, working for the government. Cause that is fascinating to me, how you worked for the, you worked for the state of California, right? Uh, oh, sorry, Florida, Florida. Hello, that's me. I'm in California. <laughs> <laughs> I did after a, I worked in TV and it's that was all night. You know, I was working all night. So, you know, I mean, that's pretty much, you know, you're getting off at 10, 30, 11 o'clock every night. I, fortunately, I was in even the central working time zone. In PR, even working PR for the state? Uh, well, no, that was when I was in TV. So I actually oh, left okay. TV and I worked for the state between, I'm in the private sector now doing PR, but in, in between I was with the state. So uh, for a time being, I was the spokesperson for the governor. I was a communications director for the Secretary of State of Florida, um, and it was all really kind of coming from that news background. I'd been, you know, the storyteller. So I got into government. I knew some people who were in Tallahassee. I'd never been to the city before in my life, but I had some friends here who said, you know, the grass is so much greener on this side of the, <laughs> the news world, and you know, there's more money and the better hours. And so that's what brought me here. And then, you know, I kind of grew out of the government world into the private sector. So that's where I am now. But it was definitely a lot of fun. You know, state workers, I guess, got a lot of crap. But it was, mm-hmm. you know, I was in kind of the, you know, kind of the heated political environment. And, and I really actually enjoyed that, uh, kind of the politics of, of government. It wasn't your classic, you know, government job. It was more the you know, how are we spinning this? How, what are we talking right. about? What's in the news? So, well, and yeah. Florida, you know, the spotlight was on Florida a lot during the elections and we're in an election season right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and now were you there during the time when there was all of the, um, uh, controversy over, you know, the number of delegates and votes and the hanging chat and, and all that, that. was all before me, but I definitely <laughs> still, um, Still felt I, some of that? I definitely still felt some of that because the last presidential election, I was a communication director for the uh, Secretary of State in Florida who runs the election. So 
I was essentially kind of the spokesperson for the state for the elections. And, you know, of course, all the national news who, mm-hmm. who doesn't know, uh, Florida's actually, we actually run elections really well, like, <laughs> contrary to popular <laughs> belief, particularly in, after that, you know, election with all the hanging chads. I mean, there was a lot of reform. And, and I think, I mean, I think elections actually run pretty well in Florida. But the national media, of course, you know, wants to relive that. So I definitely, you know, oh, was yeah. responding to those questions, you know, how much things have changed. And, um, you know, voting is so much easier. There's a lot of early voting now. I mean, most voting is what happens long before Election Day. Um, I but, think I would think that, you know, honestly, for a while, Florida is probably going to get those questions like there was just such a big stink made about it and um you know florida sort of became the butt of a of a lot of jokes you know during that uh election season um definitely and that's and it's really driven by the campaigns a lot too because they're always pointing fingers you know democrats and republicans at like you know they're having voter fraud they're you know they're scamming the system over here so they're floating these stories to reporters and reporters eat it up because it just is good TV. Um, and so because Florida is really, you know, the true purple state where it's really half Republican, half Democrat, I mean, it's just really intense and any slight mishap is really going to be blown up because both Democrats and Republicans are going to say those votes should be mine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's what drives a lot of it. I mean, if this was happening in, you know, a state like, um, I don't know, Alabama, where you know it's going to be a Republican victory. I mm-hmm. mean, the little knick-knacky mishaps are not really going to get much attention because... <laughs> because there's a clear winner. In yeah, that. exactly. So it's not fought tooth and nail. But in Florida, any small thing will really be a fight to the death between the campaigns to, to make it you know, more in their favor. Do you like politics? Are you, are you a political guy at all? Do you enjoy following the election? I do, yeah. I mean, I still... I, I love it. I mean, at the same time... I like being away from it at this point now. Um, yeah. And I wish I could stay away from it, but I, I'm just so drawn to it and it's it's not Well, healthy. I mean, this buff. election season is so fascinating. Like with all the craziness that is going on on both sides of the party, the it's been a very fascinating election season for sure. Um, so yeah, I can't help but watch it either. I understand that. Do you find any like comedy coming from that? Are you finding yourself like writing any election jokes or do you kind of want to stay away from political humor? I definitely stay away from it because I just see, I mean, just being on social media, you see how far and how crazy people can be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if if you're not in there, you know, silo of beliefs, then like they're going to completely dismiss you and 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 block attack. you. Yeah, they attack and, and attack you. So I stay very far away from that. Um, and yeah, I just I just don't really get into that because people take it too seriously, and sometimes that takes the fun out of the humor. Do you think that maybe while you were working um, for the state and in those communications positions that did you find yourself pulling back at all on any of your like personal humor or your personal aspirations um, in your writing and that sort of thing because of that? Like that you had an image to uphold? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I would say, um, I mean, when I started working in the governor's office, I mean, that's really when I stopped doing a lot of stand up yeah. was because. You know, I'm take, talk, telling a lot of, you know, goofball jokes <laughs> in, you know, around bars in town. And 
you know, I'm really friendly with like the, the Capitol Press Corps and people would kind of know who I am. And there's so many kids. And, you know, I mean, I don't know if you've been to like open mics, you know, how mm -hmm. you spend a lot of time. I mean, they're so crass and so yes. awful. Um, I definitely would not tell jokes like that. But you just kind of, I didn't want to even be associated with kind of that crowd. Um, so that's because, not your style of humor. You're not, you're not the um, fart joke telling dad or. <laughs> No, I, I try to keep be upbeat. And even um, I see, especially in parenting humor, I mean, I enjoy parenting humor mm -hmm. uh, because it is, I think, extremely relatable, especially for kids, you know, zero through like five where the experience is really, really, I think is close to the same for everybody. Yeah. Uh, but I, I try to, I do think a lot of people will cross over into complaining too much about parenting where... I mean, I love my kids more than anything in the world. So, you know, you're never going to hear me kind of crossing over into like, I wish I wasn't a parent. Like I, I sometimes see that too much in the parenting world. Hey everyone, I want to tell you a little more about Kinsa, the world's smartest thermometer. I always keep Kinsa in my arsenal of mom tools, and here's why. It remembers Channing's temperature, symptoms, and medications, so I don't have to. As you guys know, when your kids are sick, who's got time to write down their temperature and symptoms and all of that stuff so you can tell your doctor? Well, Kinsa does it all for you. And the best part, it also gives you advice on what to do next and can send that info to your doctor. Make sure you get your own Kinsa at KinsaHealth.com, the world's smartest thermometer. I see that a lot happening. Like there is... Um a, a very t a popular Tumblr feed called um, Asshole Parents, and they hashtag Asshole Parent whenever, and they'll post pictures of their kids like having epic meltdowns or huge um, crying fits and like talk about, um, you know, sort of making fun of their kids in a way. And I don't know, that's not really my style either. I I don't think everybody has to be the, oh, I love being a parent so much and everything's so wonderful and joyous. Cause you know, so there are some yeah. days that are like not, not so great. Um, but I also just feel like there's a little bit of a derogatory movement with parents who are like, I'm going to bash being a parent and I'm going to complain about being a parent. And I don't know. I think they, they love their kids, but it doesn't come across that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, and I did see, and I think it's really good how much more open parents are about the realities of parenthood and that it is stressful. And I do love talking about that. I mean, it is hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, it's the hardest thing. And how many kids do you have? I've got three. Three. Okay. So my kids right now are six, four, and one. So Ooh. it's, I mean, it can be pretty hard. Um, but I think, you know, on the, I don't know if it was four or five years ago. Again, I haven't been following the parenting world really before I became a parent, but mm -hmm. I do feel like there was a, a cycle that's been good where people have been so much more open and honest. And then I think you saw a lot more cussing and kind of people being kind of a little bit vulgar and having fun with it. And that attracted kind of a lot of people to really go push the limits of yeah. how open they were being. And I think it's like, let's find kind of a middle ground here where we're not like angry at the world because right. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're not all angry parents. Um, some people would argue though, that that's where some humor comes from is in the, um, bad things that happen. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, there's lots of stand up comedian, a couple of stand up comedians who are parents who kind of 
talk about the terrible things that happened, probably in a more heightened situation mm-hmm. than what actually happened. And because uh, that's where they find their humor in. And I kind of think, I don't know, can we be funny without having to be negative and having to uh, complain so much? And I think that seems to be what you're doing. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I try. I mean, and I would say, you know, all my jokes are, I mean, most of it is about kids don't want to eat, I can't sleep, mm-hmm. you know, all the kind of classic parenting things. So all, you know, most of my jokes are are centered around kind of that stress hard part of it. Um, so it, it definitely, and I do think that that's what's most, most relatable. I mean, jokes about I don't know how you even would write about a joke about how well your kids ate dinner. I, I, I wouldn't know where to begin <laughs> right, right. with that. Um, so it is about the stressful part. Um, but for me, it's always just important to be clear that I still love doing this. Um, it's really hard, and these are my jokes. But hopefully people still see that I really love my kids in the jokes, and I don't, I don't cross that line. Um. You don't post a lot of pictures of your kids on your parent normal um, Facebook or Twitter. Is that a is that a specific decision to do that? It has been, yeah. Um, and sometimes I write for the Huffington Post occasionally, and they make me send them pictures. So my mm-hmm. kids do appear there sometimes, but it's not so much that I'm protecting my kids. It's been more that I want my humor to be as relatable as possible. And I feel like if it becomes too much of my story and not the general parenting story, people won't think of themselves as much. So when I write something, I want people to think that's what I went through and not like that was his story. Oh, I see. Um, And so, and for a long, the the longest time, I kind of went out of my way so people wouldn't know that I'm a dad. Because I think, you know, I wanted people to not really know, is this a dad talking or is this a mom talking? Oh. Um, but I think, I mean, there are some times where... When, when you were writing your blog, you were doing that? Because, Chris, in, we can tell now that you're... We can hear you. <laughs> yeah, we, well, we know. The, I mean, the cat's out of the bag, especially <laughs> right. once I started the podcast. Right. And, and now, even on parent, like on my Twitter uh, page, I put, like, Chris Kate, parent of three, something like that in the bio, so it's clear, but... Uh, for the longest time, I tried to walk that line where you wouldn't really know if is this a dad talking, is this a mom talking, mm-hmm. um, just because I wanted to make it as relatable as possible. And I didn't want, you know, I think that, you know, there's, you know, the, you hear like about mommy blogging, but I don't think you hear as much about daddy blogging. And right. so I didn't really want to be ostracized by the mom world because here I am Aww. a dad and they're laughing and that's, hey, you're not one of us. So I kind of wanted to, again, be all things to all people to the extent that I could. Um, in that parenting world. Um, mommy blogging is a world that I'm slowly learning about. Um, and cause I'm, I'm not really a blogger. I, I have a website and I do write every once in a while, but I'm really more of a podcaster and actress. That's, that's my thing. And, um, but I'm, you know, I am classified as a mommy blogger, uh, by some people, but anyway, I'm learning more and more about that world and more and more dads are finding me more dad podcasts, more dad, uh, blogs and stuff like that. And I, I'm just like, Hey, dads have great stories too, you know, like, but it's, it's always from a different perspective. My daughter can have, you know, a meltdown for the 10th time in a day. And I will just be like, Oh, well, she's just upset because of, you know, this isn't this. And my husband will be like, 
see something completely different and be like, well, she clearly just needs more chocolate or whatever. And I'm like, are you crazy? So it's just you, the differences between the perspectives that mom and dads have are so important um, that I think it's great that you're getting yours out there for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and I do see dads out there. Um, and now that, you know, I can, I get it that I'm in the world a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I'm in some Facebook groups with, you know, dad bloggers. And so I see them out there and there's a lot of, I know there's, a, I think a big push right now for, um, kind of the equal rights of, you know, you know, dads don't babysit dads parent too. We're not just, you know, right. there for the ride and say, Hey mom, take care of it. But at the same time, you know, I do think there's a line. To, I don't want to go completely overboard and say moms and dads are the same because I don't think I think they do. Moms and dads do play very different roles. So I, yeah, you know, as much as I want to buy in the fact that you know we're all, you know, equal parents, I do think that there is, you know, different things that a dad can bring that a mom can't. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's good to see that more more dads are being treated like, you know, true parents and not just babysitters uh, when mom's not around. Not just there to uh, take out the trash and clean up the kitchen and uh, yeah, exactly. help around the house and sort of stuff. I know at my daughter's preschool, I see more, if just as many, if not more, dads dropping their kids off and picking them up as I do moms. And that was a little surprising to me at first. I was like, why are there so many dads here? But I think we live in a different world now where dads are more involved in their kids um, growing up and their kids' lives and uh, have more opportunities to do that. And I think that's probably why your podcast is also so relatable because you're a dad. You're telling things from your perspective and you're um, interviewing fun people who also have great perspectives as well. Uh, do you? Where do you see Paranormal going from here? Do you want to write a book? Do you want to... Um, just keep doing the show? Like, what are your goals for it? Yeah, I mean, I definitely want to to keep growing and finding new avenues to talk to parents. I mean, my goal, really, even before anything started, I wanted to write a book. And that was, when I first started tweeting, a lot of that was excerpts from a book I'd started writing yeah. at this point now, like, probably five years ago. Um, and it's, you know, my vision for that keeps changing. And, you know, I get pulled in so many different directions that I haven't quite completed that but I do I've shopped around a book uh a little bit but I'm hopefully before the end of the year if anything I'll be self-publishing a book um again not so much where it'll be memoir driven but more kind of that you know I I love some of my guys that I really admire like like I think Steve Martin is just like I I love Steve Steve Martin and so kind of the different short story humor that he's written kind of really absurdist you know that yeah, that's yeah. a lot of what I'm I'm drawn to so I'm hoping to put out a book that'll be a little bit you know like something he might have written uh, Jack Handy I don't know if you've read any uh-huh. of his short stories yeah you know I love I think those th- those guys are hysterical so um that's a little bit more of what my vision uh, would be where it's not going to be anything in my story to be kind of that absurdist story but it's got that relatableness to you that yeah here's a very high <laughs> hyperbole version of a story but you still get the the warmth from it and the and the jokes yeah um steve martin is is definitely like one of my favorite comedy actors but also just like comedy writers he's great i'm reading a book right now called um poking a dead frog i think mm-hmm. by yeah, mark, mark sacks yeah, yeah yeah have you read that 
I have, yeah. Isn't it great? Like, it's just fascinating hearing these successful comedy legends um, write about where their comedy comes from. And they all have a similar kind of thread, even though their humor might be very different. And there's, they're all being very true to themselves. And I loved what Mel Brooks said in there about um, do what makes you laugh and other people will, will join in. Like if you seem to be having fun and you're enjoying um, your jokes and you're laughing, then other people will as well. And I just, I love that. Yeah, I mean that, and that's one of the things that really got me into podcast podcast as well is really hearing the stories of mm-hmm. people. You know, like Mark Maron's show, you hear you know mm-hmm. somebody, you know, their whole life story, how they got to where they, you know, what whatever, whatever they accomplished, whether it's you know comedy or movies, you know, writing books. Um, now I, I love one of the shows I started listening to early on. I don't even remember the name of it now. Um, but it was it was it was a former Daily Show writer and he was interviewing like people who wrote for the late night for the late shows. And that was just something I'm, you know, I love, you know, again, you know, comedy writing. So Mm -hmm. it would just be, you know, hour long interviews with guys who are, you know, talking about the craft that you would never in a million years have heard, I think before, you know, now how many, because we have so many avenues to get that kind of information now. So, you know, I think Mike's uh, poking a dead frog is great just because you hear people talking about the craft and not just, um, you know, here's the joke, but right, right. You know, here's everything that happened. Here's how I came to the joke. Which... Here's what led up to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's fantastic. So are you, uh, hoping you're, are you hoping or interested in your kids getting in comedy in any way? Are they interested in your podcast? My daughter, my daughter who's six loves it. Uh, yeah. And she's on it. It's her that does those little interstitials that you have, right? Is that her yes, voice? She does. So yeah. And, and I think part of that, that's why she likes hearing it. Mm-hmm. And then I've got my son who's, who's four. He's in the, the, the outro, but he couldn't quite pronunciate everything. So that's mm-hmm. why my daughter does most of the, the intros. But um, I actually just did a couple of weeks ago an episode with my daughter where I interviewed her as the guest. Aww. And it's one of those things you know, I, you try to think about your, your audience, but a- Ava has her name, my daughter, mm-hmm. like she's my number one fan. So I'm like, this will be an episode for her. So hopefully people enjoy the episode. Um, because I try to talk about what it's like being a six year old and you know, the things that she likes and she talked about losing her too. So oh. maybe, maybe there's some humor in that, but you know, I really did that episode for her because she loves you know, every time uh, most of my episodes come out on Thursdays and she's always like, can I hear the episode? Oh my gosh, uh, that's so cute. Yeah, maybe she wants to do her own podcast. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out if I've got that in me to pull that oh off. Oh my gosh. That's to do a, like a three yeah. or four minute podcast. Oh my gosh, that's so cute. My, I know that Channing likes to um, come in and she'll pop in and say hi during the intro every once in a while. And um, in the beginning when I was podcasting, she would literally just barge in during the middle of an interview. And I would, I would be like, since then I've learned that I should maybe schedule my interviews at different times of the day or when daddy's home, uh, to help out with that because it was like, okay, all right, we get it. You know, I'm recording, get out of here. (laughs) Um, but yeah, she seems to love it too. And it's so sweet to see them get involved with stuff that, um, their parents are passionate about. So I think that's really great. Um, what would you say has been like your biggest, um, parenting challenge to date? Anything work related, anything podcasting related? Mm, 
You know, I don't know that there's necessarily one challenge. Um, I, th- I mean, it's, I think it's probably all just centered on time. I just wish I had more time. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you do get, you know, you do get pulled in a lot of directions of, with like work responsibilities. Um, and, you know, I love being a dad, but at the same time, you know, I've got to be smart. I can't just <laughs> say, I'm going to be a dad and not, and not work. And so, not do anything else. Yeah. Um, you know, as stressful as everything is, I just love spending spending time with my kids. So uh, that's probably just the biggest challenge is is making sure that there's time. Especially my my one year old, he's he goes to bed every night like at seven o'clock, like mm-hmm. which is the best. Like the first two kids never went to sleep, um, but he somehow like it's, you hear stories of kids who go to sleep at an early time, and then you know, start yeah. just, and it's like hearing about unicorns. Uh, <laughs> mine but... did not to be a jerk, but mine did. She for like a year and a half went to bed at seven 30 every night. She was always a really great sleeper. She still is. She still is. She makes up for it in other ways <laughs> she, <laughs> where she's not so great, but, um, but she's always been a really great sleeper. I feel, uh, really lucky about that. Yeah. Well, so, so it's, it's great, but at the same time, it's like, if, you know, if I get home at six fifteen or six thirty, you know, I don't even really get to see them that yeah, much. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, I guess you could say a challenge, but, you know, it's, it's still it's, fun. T- yeah. Finding the time, any kind of family time and stuff. And then you're, you know, you're taking on the parent normal, um, uh, podcasts and stuff. That's probably taking up a lot more time as well. And I guess it, it's just sort of all about finding balance, but you also, I, I've learning have to be true to yourself and your dreams and your, you know, the person you were before you had kids. That's a big challenge for two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and kind of, you know, more on, the, kind of the hobby side of the blogging you know I I love that and you know I probably you know I'll start working on things from like 10 30 to like 1 30 in the morning pretty much every day just trying wow. to come up with stuff and planning things out you know so I wish I had more time but you know it's I guess a lot of parents have different outlets of how you know they kind of manage the stress of parenting and, mm-hmm. and I you know writing these jokes is kind of my way of kind of that outlet not that you know I'm venting but um just kind of sharing my story and, and kind of through the paranormal way that I'm doing. And, you know, I hear so many stories, you know, if anybody's thinking about starting a blog, like I would really just encourage you to do it. Not that you think, you know, you're going to, you know, write a book or anything and, and right. you know, become famous because of it, but it's just such a fun outlet and to look back on the things that you wrote. Um, and I do like, and now I've interviewed several people who just started blogs you know, almost as a baby diary. And now they are, you know, they do have like half a million followers and it's crazy just because people are interested in hearing those real stories yeah, um, and knowing that everybody is kind of going through the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's definitely very cathartic and it sort of brings us all together as parents for sure. I personally have fallen in love with podcasting. I love that I can do it from my house. I love that I can, incorporate my passion for acting and my passion for being a mom and my daughter gets to be a part of it too. And, um, so I'm, yeah, I'm totally, I'm in love with my podcast is what I'm (laughs) saying. (laughs) I love your podcast too. Oh, thank you. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show today and share your experience with all the motherhood and Hollywood listeners. Great. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. All right, you guys. And I will put some information about Chris and the Parent Normal Comedy Podcast on Motherhood in Hollywood. And Chris, tell us really quickly where everybody can find you. 
Yeah, on Twitter, it's at ParrotNormal. Um, on Instagram, it's at ParrotNormal. And on Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash the ParrotNormal. And then, of course, the website is ParrotNormal.com. Awesome. Everybody go and listen to The Parent Normal. Go and read Chris's blog. It's very funny. I promise you, you will enjoy it. And of course, I'll put info on motherhoodandhollywood.com. You can find me at MIH Podcast on Twitter and Motherhood in Hollywood on Facebook and Instagram. Chris, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you. All right, you guys have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time. Balls.